You're listening to the Tribe Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tribe Tech Podcast. I'm Fayal Zahad and my co-host is Robert Hillier. Hello, we have tips for investing in cryptocurrency in this episode. Well, why should you care about crypto? Well, crypto is the future. Crypto is a easier, more equitable way to store assets and it it will facilitate a lot of change and it's going to disrupt nearly every industry. And we're also looking at how to move back into the office after working from home with a focus on well-being. That's right. Many workplaces are looking to open again in June with reduced days to help staff get used to being back with people again. We have Pete Howard from Posture Up Wellbeing. It's a health tech firm in Devon. And he says staff working from home or the office can use simple solutions to cure backaches, headaches and tiredness. We need to look to, to the way that we breathe. So many of us that suffer with anxiety, I can tell you this, and it's something that's helped me massively, is just to put one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly, taking a deep breath through your nose, and you're trying to make the hand that's on your belly come out, not your chest. And this allows breathing out through the mouth nice and slowly, allows your body to do what's known as parasynthesize, which is basically relax. And if we can do that in that nice upright position with our feet on the ground, it's a great way and we're just to ground ourselves and think, right, focus. We're also speaking to Andy Doyle from Filmily, who says he'll be implementing a mandatory four-day week to help staff assimilate to normal life before going back to flexible hours again at his firm in Totnes. You need people there, really. And, you know, we've all been doing Zoom calls with groups of people and, and the other platforms like Hopin and things like that. They're all great. There's no networking, really. And there's no, there's no, you know, all the businesses done with a beer afterwards type concept. We were just at South by Southwest this week in Austin, but we were all sat here on our computers and, and it was good and they did a great job, but it wasn't like just being there and soaking up the atmosphere. And again, it's that whole people to people thing. We just, I think we need to have pushed for it harder for a while to get people up to speed again and to learn again in a way. But first, let's go to Derek Rodriguez from Gridlock, which is a cryptocurrency storage facility based in Bristol. So what I've noticed in the past decade since, you know, I've been involved in cryptocurrency since the beginning. I was actually one of the first few to mine Bitcoin. Uh, it's normally a good story. However, I was also one of the first few to lose Bitcoin. So I, I'm intimately familiar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know how much I lost. I can tell you it was at least 50 because uh, that's the minimum that you could mine at that time. Oh, my God, that's making uh, me that's, even sick to hear it. Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's in the past. I can almost laugh about it now. Ten years has helped reduce the pain a little bit. Uh, but the, the problems still exist today. Uh, people are, are losing these assets. And, and you know, there's stories about people digging through landfills trying to find a hard drive that has millions or billions worth of Bitcoin. And people are more and more moving to centralized storage models like um, exchanges. And that's great, right, that there's professional management there, but it can defeat the entire point of blockchain, which is decentralized distribution of wealth and power. So what we're doing is we're trying to bring it back to its roots, trying to make it easy and safe for users to store it themselves, uh, giving them full control of their assets. They don't have to worry about um, an exchange going down or getting hacked. You know, They're in control of their assets, and, and our technology is helping it uh, helping make it easier and safer so uh, users ha don't have to be experts to do that. Could you could you be hacked though? So the, 
Yes, you could. And and here's here's the reason why I can say that happily. Because what we're doing is we're splitting your assets into pieces and putting them on different devices. So you might store a few pieces. Uh, your friends and family uh, in different areas around the world might store a few pieces. Uh, so the odds of you getting hacked and then a hacker would have to compromise multiple different devices around the world, it's, it's nearly impossible for them to kind of get those, the right devices and hack all of them at the same time. Right. So how exactly does your, um, well, I'm calling it like almost like a ledger, right? The way you guys would store mm -hmm. Bitcoin. So it's almost a, this giant digital ledger. Um, how, how, how do you manage to, to store Bitcoin for people then? So the, so the ledger is like the transaction layer. It's if you're sending assets uh, to someone else, if you're sending someone one Bitcoin, let's say, uh, that ledger is where the world knows that now that other person that you sent it to, they have and own that Bitcoin. But in order to make that happen, you have to sign the transaction saying that, yes, I am the one that owns this. And so you sign that with the encryption key and that that is the critical part. That encryption key is what makes everything work. And that's the most important piece. Mm. And as long as you have that key, then you're good and you can sign stuff and you can secure your assets and what we're doing is we're making sure that key is very safe and very easily managed don't do you think it's the absence of this kind of technology previously that's that stalled the growth of cryptocurrencies in the way that was initially envisaged very very much so it, it right now it, it is a lot of speculative trading and i can't blame people um it, it's it's a growing industry and people see this and they want to get involved it's just difficult to get involved. Even me, that, that's been, I've been around forever, and I, I know the ins and outs. I know all the rumors, all the news, uh, and it's still a headache and a pain to try to manage my assets in the most secure way possible. What is the market for people who are um, buying cryptocurrency? Oh, that's a tough question to answer. I would say the, the market, if you want to put some numbers on it, uh, cryptocurrency market is around, let's just say, one trillion pounds right now. Uh, gold itself, the global market's five trillion, something like that, and then global stocks, fifty trillion, a hundred trillion. It, the market is definitely there. It will grow over the next ten years. Uh, that's from a numbers perspective. Now, if you're asking who's going to use this technology, I, I can answer absolutely everyone. So the the main idea behind blockchain technology is that is equitable and over the, over the years and even very recently in the news there's been a lot of you know, talk and discussion about how do we make things more equitable there's these centralized sources of power that are, are not necessarily speaking for the people and if you have a technology that can make things more equitable then there's so many use cases uh, some of the easy ones since this is money and finance um, you can work with loans. You can make loans where you're not necessarily a large, massive banking institution. You can provide loans to other people or, or groups of people can come together easily and, and make a co-op that, that's providing loans. And, and you're kind of, you're keeping the money in the system and, and helping each other. There's, there's tons of social impacts uh, in terms of blockchain in general, like uh, supply chain management. It will help with making sure that food doesn't go to waste. It'll help making sure that food is sustainably sourced and there's no 
a funny business halfway through the supply chain where, where people are saying maybe something's organic, but it's actually not. And they just want to get that sticker so they can sell it for more money. Yeah. There, there's tons of options out there. It, we're just at the beginning right now at the financial layer, getting ready to empower all of this change across numerous industries. So this uh, accountability and um, empowerment that you talk about, it, I can see how it would be very attractive to places like Africa, um, because I, you know, I grew up in South Africa, and I see that this is a sort of very attractive sort of model for people over there, because people want to be in control of their finances, and they also want to be on an equal footing with everybody else, and they aren't able to get that way. But when they can save a small amount and then invest in cryptocurrencies, I think people find it quite attractive. And, and oddly, it is uh, an emerging market for cryptocurrencies. But I think one of the problems that people have had in the past is um, the safety of it. And I wonder if you could share any advice for people who want to buy cryptocurrencies or are looking into it. Because obviously, as you said, it is probably what our children are going to be using um, more so than traditional financial methods. So people who want to get on the bandwagon, what is your advice to help them make sure that they make the right decision and are not using a dodgy crypto that doesn't even have a blockchain? It's age-old advice, which is if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And and don't don't go after that next big thing. Crypto already is, is growing by leaps and bounds, and you don't need to get the the most the newest one you don't need that the keep to the top 20 uh cryptocurrencies those most of those have great projects behind them they're transparent they're open they're they're making real change you start getting to the other ones and and i don't want to put down any other great projects that are just starting out you know i'm in that bucket as well but you really have to be careful because there's a lot of salesmen out there and there's a lot of scams and it's difficult so Stick with it, but don't try to do anything. You're not going to become a millionaire overnight. It's just, it's not going to happen. But I am a firm believer if you get in now, there is still a lot of growth left and it is a great investment opportunity. But yeah, stick with um, more the more common projects. You mentioned at the start about how it was the, uh, the 2008 9 financial crisis, which, which was a large driver for, for cryptocurrencies. What are the larger international macro level events that are happening now or, or might be on the horizon, which will see a, a, a spike in interest in use and facilitation of cryptos? From a global perspective, the way I see it, as technology progresses, it's going to get better and better and more efficient. And what's happening is essentially people are becoming unemployable. The, the skill sets needed to compete in today's world is becoming harder to obtain and, and simply that's a problem because it, it, we are centralizing wealth and power and i'm a firm believer that we're not nearly we're not doing nearly enough to to fix that problem and, and so yes i think over the next 10 20 years there's going to be big events in protesting and protesting and trying to help spread wealth back to the people. And I think blockchain is is really going to be this, at the center of it all, simply because change only happens with money. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. 
know, people will say, hey, I want this to happen. But when you ask them to open their pocketbooks, they're less inclined. And so if you can make a way that is easy and cheap and free and say, look, look, this is the better option. That is the right path forward to to helping this this dire future that I'm afraid we're getting closer and closer to. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose that also events like Brexit and well, the way we have all handled the COVID-19 lockdown and all of these things also add um, to the decisions that will be made in the future by future generations. Um, but I also wonder, Derek, um, you have chosen to base yourself in Bristol and that's amazing because it's in the Southwest, but why, why did you choose Bristol and why did you choose the Southwest? Yeah. So uh, I actually came out here with my wife. Uh, she works for a large healthcare company and, and they chose Bristol uh, because it has a great healthcare scene and great tech scene. And, and so I came out here, um, for that reason. And now that I'm out here, I really realized that Bristol has an even better startup scene. You know, there are tons of resources for entrepreneurs to get started. I haven't even had a chance to access all of them because there's so many and they're all so great. And and that's why I'm here. That's, that's where the company is being built. And uh, I think it's, we're off to a good start. So with uh, thousands of uh, startups and other tech companies that we have across the Southwest will be listening and thinking, okay, this is, you know, this is interesting. I hadn't really thought about this before. I've been thinking about lots of other things about recruitment and growing my company and what my market is. What advice would you give to them and how can they benefit from knowing more about cryptos and how they might be able to help their business? That's a tough one. Uh, Blockchain is still in its infancy. Uh, We're past the hype cycle where you say the word blockchain and everyone jumps to attention they're starting to realize it's going to be a slightly longer road than they wanted. Uh, and, and these days people say, like, if you can build it without blockchain, you should do that. And that's true. That it's easier and cheaper a lot of the time. If you are going for more of a, an approach, really trying to get to a core change, that's where blockchain comes into play. Uh, so maybe it's not the answer you're looking for. But I would say maybe not blockchain, or at least not right now because it's not quite adopted to the point where you can just jump in and plug and play. I'm hoping to do my part to make it plug and play, but it is still going to be a couple years before it's it's to that level. We, we've been speaking to uh, to some other people this month about now there's a, a lockdown map, which in theory means that by um, the middle of June, everybody can return to the office if they, if they want to, or a bit sooner if, if they do certain things. But your company has always had a fully remote working policy. Why does that work for you? And have you ever had any any push or any drive to have people based together in an office? Yeah, well, we, we started during lockdown, right? We, we started growing and um, we couldn't be together. And because of that, we've developed a culture that really allows us to work together remotely. Will we want to get back together the answer is yes. At some point, we, we will want to at least say hi in person. And we've developed a great culture, but it's really taken longer than than I would hope. You know, we, we can't go to the pub and, and get to know each other on that one-on-one basis. And so that's been difficult, but we're, we're growing. And when since we're remote first and the, the world is now looking at, well, how does the future going to work with remote working and are you going to come in the office sometime? Probably not all the time. 
we're we're looking at that and trying to understand how how we want to address it and and i think we what we settled on is look some people don't want to go in the office some people do and it really should be your choice because we're not limited by anything and these days we can hop on a zoom call we even use a tool called discord uh, for for chatting and, and you can see people in different rooms having a meeting so it's like a virtual office with the glass walls do you, you still have that sense of camaraderie um, remotely you don't necessarily need to get together and, and so we will continue to be remote first for that reason tweet now tech sw official so lots of people want to invest in cryptos as we know not sure how to do it most of the news you hear tends to be about why you shouldn't because it's a little bit unsafe and as Derek said in there there's tales about people fumbling through landfill sites trying to find their hard drive but this obviously has to stop and it is stopping and uh, this is the kind of company once again based here that's going to help bring this to life by the looks of it I mean we'll definitely get him on again because it was really, really interesting. And I think if this episode wasn't so jam-packed, we'd be able to touch on so many more issues. I mean, and it's also interesting that they have a remote-first policy. I think a lot of firms are going to go remote-first within the next 10 years because, as you said, future generations will probably find it odd to think that they have to go into a physical space to get a job done. I mean, Andy Doyle from Filmily told us his staff will probably need time to readjust to an office environment. We've always had a work from home policy if you want to, but every, everyone's of course had their own desk in the office. We're sort of sticking to that rule. I think the big change for us really is we've decided that from April, we're going to put everyone onto a four day week with no reduction in wages and for, for a three month trial. And then we're saying Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, everybody has to be in the office. So that's the team together. And just for a period, so we can all get to know each other again, if I'm honest. I love that idea. So I've been looking, Andy, through a big study that Microsoft uh, have conducted about how people have felt about working from home. Um, And the big thing that comes through, as you've just mentioned, they're 65% say that what they miss most from going into the office is the social aspect and the socialising. Um, so although they say that generally they are happier working from home, they do feel more pressure to always be available. But it's that social aspect that has had the most negative impact on people, which obviously you you found as well. 100%. I mean, for me, the biggest, biggest loss to all this is those, you know, in America, you know, you call it the water cooler moments or the brown bag session at lunchtime. You know, that whole just sitting with people and just chatting you know, and not booking a Zoom call and it being quite formal. And as you said, you know, everyone talks over each other by accident and there's no direction to it. I think that social aspect of, oh, I'm working on this. And have you thought about that with your project and that creativity that comes into software development as well as creative roles, putting just a bit more forcefulness on Tuesday to Thursday, you're in the office. Again, you know, if someone says, I've got a parcel delivery on a Wednesday, we're not going to go where you can't. But I really want everyone to build the relationships back so they feel comfortable talking to each other again properly just as humans. <laughs> it, it certainly seems that, um, according to this survey, again, that very few companies uh, are willing to go 100% re- 
remote working 100% of the time. Um, yeah. And it sounds as if you obviously you can you can see uh, some of the negative uh, benefits of that as well. Do you think, though, that there are clearly certain sectors which are much more able to have this kind of flexibility built in than others? You know, in terms of our work, you know, because people are just working on their own on a computer doing their job, I mean, yeah, ultimately, it makes no difference if they're at home or at work or, you know, sat on their laptop by the beach. It, it doesn't matter. You know, it's all about delivery and whenever they want to do it. But if you're in a, if you're trying to organise, you know, if you're a consultant and you're working with groups of people, you know, you need people there, really. I mean, you know, we've all been doing Zoom calls with groups of people and and the other platforms like Hopin and things like that. They're all great. There's no networking, really. And there's no, there's no, you know, all the businesses done with a beer afterwards type concept. We were just at South by Southwest this week in Austin, but we were all sat here on our computers and, and it was good and they did a great job. But it wasn't like just being there and soaking up the atmosphere. And again, it's that whole people to people thing. We just... I think we need to have pushed for it harder for a while to get people up to speed again and to learn again in a way. People will probably be feeling anxious anyway and um, yeah. they will probably need a sort of bedding in period and it sounds like you got ahead of the game on that and you're actually creating this bedding in period to help people get in back in the game before they are able to um, decide whether or not they want to work from the office or work from home. And even people who are generally not anxious, I've noticed that even those people say, "Mm, actually, going back to the office, it's a little bit scary. And even people who... Yeah, it's daunting. And, you know, just having to see people all the time. And one of my friends said she's finding it really hard to hear very loud sounds because she's in a very quiet area. She's actually on her own. All the meetings she's had so far is all Zoom calls or she does this volunteering work for um, the elderly. But those are the only two things she does. And so she's now, if she hears a loud sound, she gets really scared. And she's like, I don't know why that's happened to me. But it's obviously because your brain has got used to a certain thing. And now you've got to go back to an office in two weeks. It's terrifying. Exactly that. I went to my office the other day, we had a workman come in and he was in there. There was a couple of other people had to be in the office that day. I didn't even know they were going to be there. But there was like six of us in there. And when everyone started talking, it was a little bit overwhelming. I couldn't hear myself think. And normally you think I could spend all day in that environment and just zone in on what I'm doing. But it did feel like this huge distraction around me. And in the end, we all ended up sitting in separate bits of the building. That's interesting. Is, you, know, you created yeah, your own remote did, working know. space in the office. Yeah, I wonder if that will happen. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, there was the upset of everyone working from home all the time at the start of lockdown. And I think then there was doubled upset when it was lifted, then dropped back in again. I think that was the hardest one yeah. for a lot of people. If we don't plan what happens and we just let people drift back in, mm. I think there's going to be anxiety. I think people are going to resign saying they didn't, they don't want to do the job anymore or you're going to get sickness. But obviously, you can see you can see how if you if you need to justify to um, obviously you own the company. But if you needed to you know, justify it to a board or to investors as to why you're going to a four day week, you can point to the evidence. You can say, look at what happens if you do this. But this is much harder, isn't it, to justify? So you know, it's quite difficult for people with uh, employees or working in HR to really know what it is that they're suggesting because we don't really know what works and what. And what doesn't? And I suppose the people who may benefit from this are the people who come, who come into uh, into the workforce in two or three years' time. Exactly, and I think that's why for us, where we've been as directors and founders, we've been talking about the concept of the four-day week for a while. 
And the reason we've planned to bring it in from, I think Monday the 5th of April, we're bringing it in. And it's a 12 week period of trial is because, yeah, if you look on, I think it's like the end of June when lockdown officially ends at the moment and there's no restrictions. And for us, that's the point the office can open properly. And we didn't want to sort of open the office and change the hours and do everything at once. So for us, it's let's see how this goes for a while while people are at home and hopefully getting out a bit more because, you know, from the end of this week, they can socialise a bit more, have people in the garden and stuff. So I think for us, it was like a, it was a really good date to go, we'll start this here. And as that comes to an end and hopefully it works and everyone's, like you said, productivity doesn't get impacted too much and, you know, quality of output becomes better. And people are happier, obviously, that's the key here as an employer. We've got a lot more responsibility than we used to have. As soon as that ends, though, then that's when the office can open and we can then get, hopefully continue it but have the people in. So it's not a massive change all in one go. We're not going to force the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday thing until the 21st of June. Excellent. Well, good luck. And I'm sure we'll have you yeah. on to chat about it. We, should probably, we, shall definitely we should probably come see you. live from Totnes on the 21st of June. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, you're That'd welcome. Awesome. We've got a big space. We've got our we've got our bar, so you can come in and we can have a sandwich and you can stay as you go in. Oh, try amazing! And get we, can, we can celebrate the you're longest welcome. day of the year. So, oh yeah. You yeah. You're listening to the Tribe Tech Podcast. It seems like we might go down on the 21st of June then to Totnes. Look at Phil Millie. Welcome everybody back into the office and go to Anne of Cleves on Totnes High Street, which is my favourite uh, cake emporium. Not an advert, but I'm always up for cream tea as well. Next up, Robert spoke to Pete Howard from Posture Up Wellbeing. Full disclosure, Pete and I are actually business partners. Now, some people might call that nepotism, but they're wrong because you're not related. It's actually just favouritism. <laughs> it isn't, actually. We were talking about well-being while you're working and and going back to the office and making sure things are going to be better for staff. And who better to talk about it to than Pete, who's got a decade of experience. And plus, he's cured my carpal tunnel syndrome, which I suffered with for 20 years years and i don't have it anymore so i thought he was amazing carpal tunnel you should have mentioned it I, it was terrible listen i don't think you realize how difficult and how painful carpal tunnel syndrome is i mean you remember i couldn't even type anyway that's the whole reason that pete and i started this whole well-being business for companies and also why i didn't do the interview so it doesn't seem like favoritism but anyway what, what did he say uh no excuse for aches and pains basically shouldn't be part of your daily life and the simple things you can do to stop the damage that we're all causing ourselves sitting at a desk all day. I spent 12 months starting up personal training in London before I went out to the States. And I took that experience with me as a lot of people obviously in central London are corporate based. So that was a, almost like a target market for me at that point in terms of my needs analysis for my business. So um, running into 2016 onwards, coming back to Exeter, obviously it's a different environment, but those seeds were planted. And what I found was an incredible number of people coming to me with issues with back pain and frozen shoulders. And it, a lot of it came down to just a, not moving enough and being in improper positions all day at a desk. And not only that, as I've further, further gone down the line, I found that just the office lifestyle, the, the grab and go, the meeting to meeting, people aren't taking enough time out for themselves to, to say, hey, am I physically and mentally where I need to be to, to work 
you know, happy and with good productivity. And that includes the commute, of course, as well, doesn't it? Which for, you know, I think the average commute time in this country is 45 minutes in and 45 minutes out. So you're, that's being compounded, isn't it, before you even get into work and then when you finish work and on, on the way home, which I suppose is one of the things that many people have benefited from over the past year. Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the positives that we can take. Like you say, probably 90, 60 to 90 minutes a day that we've now got to to look inward rather than outward and resentful of traffic and late tubes and everything else mm. that goes on. Because I, I find personally living in a fairly small sized city that my most resentful part of the day is driving to and from the gym. Yeah, exactly. I, honestly, I'm yeah, like, exactly. God, this guy, God, that guy, yeah. you know, what are they doing? Come yeah. on, hurry up, hurry up. You know, um, and not having that, you don't realise until you go back to the rush that that's actually a very stressful part of your day, if not the most stressful. Maybe we can look at putting that energy back into ourselves, not to empty the pot, but to fill it up with positive things, with movement, with breathing, with, with stretching, with maybe some meditation. The opposite of driving, if you ask me. Mm. There's a lot, of, a lot of great things can come from... Potentially, we're looking into the future of doing four-day weeks and reduced time in the office and whatnot, that we can really create a great environment given the tools to make sure that we're physically and mentally well for where we need to be, not just at work, but for our lives as well. So if you look at the way that companies would, would handle health and well-being and, and handle posture, so there'd be often a fairly cursory look, wouldn't there, at the way that your desk might be set up and the height of your chair and you might be given a riser for your monitor or whatever the official name is for that thing that you put your feet on. And then the box is ticked and then off you go. But clearly the figures show that back pain and shoulder pain is the number one cause of work absenteeism uh, in this country, let alone headaches and just a general feeling of lethargy and that post-lunch lull and the issues that we have with obesity and so on. What are the interventions that you were looking to do within that corporate environment that actually showed people how to manage that? Because obviously you can't help it. If you've got to sit at a desk and you've got to be at a computer, that's the way way it has to be. Um, But clearly for most people, simply making their monitor a bit higher was not the answer to what their problems were. Mm. So what were some of the initial things that you that you saw when you were working with with corporations and with corporate clients that enabled them that enabled you to have those kind of immediate immediate changes, those immediate benefits? Sure. Oops. I mean we've already talked about the back, shoulder and, and neck pain, the tension headaches, which come from what's known as forward head posture. Um, the way that we sit, if we're not aware of our posture no matter how good the ergonomic setup is, that's the way that our, you know, our desk is arranged, everything mm. else like that. No matter how good that is, if we don't know how to sit in neutral alignment, chances are we are not going to sit in neutral alignment and we're just going to breathe on top of poor posture, even more time spent hunched over our laptop, no matter how good the setup. So I, I found one of the best things to do, A, is make people more aware of posture. So that's, that's the first step think posture up number two do some basic stretching exercises around the area that gets the areas that become tight through our our seating positions at our desk that can be the front of the hips the low back the the bum the glute area the and then also the back and neck and also apart from that do some light strengthening exercises for the areas that become almost weak 
from the way that we're forced to sit every day in our slouched position. And just by tinkering with this lengthening and strengthening um, equation, we can improve posture. Again, with the awareness, it all snowballs in, and all of a sudden we're more upright, we're breathing better, brain fog's lifting, aches and pains are going down, the way that we shuffle in our seat and fidget, the time is reduced. And providing that we're taking time between our, our meetings and we're, you know, we're, we're keeping healthy, are we sleeping well, are we hydrating well, how is our nutrition, the other lifestyle factors, then it, this all becomes a, a well-being umbrella, if you like, for, 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 for home and the office. Do you think most people's home setups are likely to be better or worse than if they're in a, a normal office environment? I'm going to come in and say not that I've seen many home offices, but I'm going to assume that they're worse because they don't have the formality of HR walking around and people mm. checking in. But I think it's something that people should be so aware of because I spoke about the relationship between ergonomic setup and postural awareness. And I think you can't really say, I think you really need to integrate both of those. You can't, you know, if, you, if your laptop is, you're looking down towards your knees, your head is going to be in front of your in front of your torso and creating tension through the upper neck as you as you look down but again if you're if you already have horrible posture no matter where you, 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 your laptop is in front of you no matter how your feet are positioned yeah you're still gonna not really do yourself any favors so it needs to be a combination of ergonomics and postural awareness. No, I no, I know this because I've seen you in a room doing it but the minute you say to, to, to you say to a group of people we're going to look at your posture. Everybody immediately sits up straight because they know that they're not doing it. Yeah. So what are those ways that you can remind yourself? Because I, I find myself doing this a lot, and I do feel I would hope that I know more about this than most other people. But all of a sudden, I kind of become aware of the way that I'm sitting and thinking, what on earth am I doing? And I'm, I'm hunched over, mm. you know, one one shoulder's up. I've got my feet on the floor in a, in, a, in a weird way. But you don't notice, do you, almost until it's too late, until you suddenly get a twinge or you get a bit of pain and you think, I've been sitting in this way for an hour. What are some of the ways that you can just sort of check in to remind yourself to continuously be looking at the way you're actually, the way you're sitting and the way your posture is? Are your feet flat on the floor? Are we bracing through our tummy so that we're not just hunching over? Talking about the mechanical stress that goes on with the body, those people with bad posture don't realize it usually until they get some kind of knock-on effect from that which is generally pain you know and then and then they reach out and ask for the intervention but this is simple things that we can be doing as well just making sure that we're trying to open up through the front half of our bodies as much as we can so through our chests you know people you know the shoulders hunch forwards so if you can get in the into a door frame and hook an arm in there and try and get a stretch through the front of the shoulders and take some deep breaths on each side, maybe it's like 30 seconds or so here and there. That kind of encourages the body to open up. It lifts the sternum and it increases the range of movement of the diaphragm as we're stretching. So actually this kind of the intervention for this is 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 a snowball. I believe as soon as you start to work on posture and you feel the benefit of stretching and strengthening through the right areas and these mechanical defects start to align, then you start to feel better and then it becomes almost moorish. And I mean, we could get onto a whole lot of things that, that we've got on a, a YouTube channel, which you, which revolves around just basically straightening the body out to start with. You know, before we do anything, we need to be mechanically efficient. We need to get the body to, to, to that neutral alignment, become aware of where that is. Foam rolling, using self-massage as a tool at home to loosen up our connective tissues and 
all sorts of stuff but if you know it's all accessible from our youtube channel which is, is a very new startup actually um but if anyone wants to check that out then it's going to be uh you're going to be one of the first people to see it and there's i hope there's some good information i know there's some good information going in there <laughs> one of the things that really helped fiaza who's obviously not on this interview is she wore one of those light foam casts on her wrist and arm for many many months because she had what she thought was our well it is rsi isn't it it's a kind of rsi carpal carpal, carpal tunnel and it made no difference and i'm not really sure what they're intended to do but you fixed this and it took about a week now, i don't know how easy it is to um, describe this in an audio format but uh we know it's one of the biggest things that people get isn't it that that tension and that tightness in in the forearm elbow and hand because they're typing particularly if it's exacerbated because you're not sitting properly what is it that you told her to do that managed to get rid of it sure. in such a short amount of time and now which i think we're all slightly obsessed with doing sure. um this is a funny thing for me because obviously i have dozens of clients and people come to me and they say this feels tight and i say have you foam rolled it have you stretched it Nine times out of ten, the answer is no. Because mm. if they <laughs> had, they wouldn't me. need they wouldn't need to be coming to see you. <laughs> it kills yeah. me, right? I'm the signpost. So um, she said, I'm, I'm suffering um, from RSI, which was basically tightness through the inside of the forearm. And I said, okay, well, she'd been to see other specialists, I think. And I just said, all right, okay, so let's stretch it. Basically, what I got her to do is you take your right arm and turn your hand out so that your middle finger is facing at six o'clock with your palm facing the wall and then press your palm into the wall with your hip square. That immediately opens up the muscles in the forearm. And what the basin told her to do was then turn her, turn her hips to 90 degrees to the left, which then opened up, externally rotated from the shoulder and opened up everything from the line from the shoulder to the wrist, where most of us get tension from, well, our everyday life. If you think about everything that we do, it's phones, it's laptops, it's driving cars, like, you know, our, our shoulders are slightly forward and turned in all the time. So my goal is to t pull them back and turn them out, essentially, mm. like the opposite of everyday stress. That's what we're trying to do here, fix the everyday stress. And she had immediate relief from that stretch. I just said, you know, hang out, breathe and hold uh, for, for a minute here. Uh, and obviously you know, the tension reduced as, as she went through the days. And yeah, she was, she was very, very surprised almost. And I couldn't believe how happy she was. It was, um, <laughs> yeah, it made me feel good, you know. Which is but, this, but this is, but but the, those nine out of ten people who come to you and say, "No, I've never thrown rolled and I've not stretched." If they do that, that fixes it. You will it? feel better. I'm yeah. not saying it will fix you, but it will make you feel better. Pete Howard from Posture Up Well Being. There. Tweet now. Tech. SW official. I'm just going to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone who listens and who sends me positive messages on LinkedIn. Thank you very, very much. I'm very happy with feedback that's also not positive. So, you know, if you want to hear more about a topic as well, just uh, let me know. And if you want to talk about the amazing work that your business does in the Southwest and get in touch, we'd love to hear from you and have you on the podcast. And you can do that by tweeting at Tech SW official or find Fiaz on LinkedIn or write to Tech Southwest and they'll pass it on lots of ways. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you know when we are out next. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. A Tech Southwest podcast, Tribe Tech. You can get in touch with us by tweeting Tech SW Official.